Welcome back to another episode of Bitcoin Out of the Box podcast. This episode, we're talking all about privacy. So one of the biggest misconceptions about Bitcoins and most other cryptocurrencies is that they have privacy built in by default. But this is simply not true because once someone is able to link your identity with your cryptocurrency address, they can not only track transactions that have been made to your account, but also all future transactions as well. This makes it utterly impossible to just spend your cryptocurrencies in peace because you really want to know and prevent others from accessing account information. This is what leads us to privacy-based coins. And whilst this has been gaining traction over the years with coins such as Monero leading the way and being used in a lot of markets, there's still a lot of misunderstanding about what privacy is and how we can achieve privacy. One of the biggest reasons being is that the mathematics behind privacy-based coins is extremely hard for the average person to understand. This is why we have a special episode today with Ruben Yap from the Zcoin project and he talks a lot about privacy-based coins and what how they even work and also of course why he chose to work on a Zcoin project. This episode is really designed to elucidate what kind of privacy features there are out there and how this all works together. So let's bring in Ruben Yap from the Zcoin project. Now, Ruben, we've been talking a little bit about privacy coins on this channel, but I think from your perspective, why do you like beginning with a very easy question? Why do you think privacy coins are so important? Well, I mean, if we look at the sort of original principles of cryptocurrency, right, which is supposed to be uncensorable money that cannot be controlled by anyone, um, you know, you do actually need privacy because how can you say you're unseizable, you're uncensorable if I can tell you how many coins or I can take a look at it, you know, like A transferring to B, right? And I mean, it's not about, a lot of people think that privacy is about hiding something. I think it's more about protecting your your personal information and your financial data. So I do feel that, you know, especially, you know, there's this ongoing Bitcoin narrative of about, like you know, this is the this is the game changer. This is the how we break free from the fiat system or our corrupt financial systems without realizing that you know there is increasing censorship of Bitcoin. Uh, you know, especially like with countries like Iran, Venezuela, North Korea amassing their own Bitcoin reserves. I think it's only a matter of time. It's actually already happening already where it's not just KYC. It's now called KYT, know your transaction, where some arbitrary rules as to how tainted these coins are or they went through a mixer. And we're already seeing this. So I feel that if we do believe that cryptocurrency should be this alternative, uh, you know, to, to like traditional money and above control, we definitely need privacy in to, mm. for cryptocurrencies to survive. Yeah. And I think this is the common misconception because there's been a lot of lectures and talks about Bitcoin being private, about um, mm. having your financial freedom. But the issue mm -hmm. here is that once you match 
a person's address to their identity, which is now required by all exchanges. Now, every exchange requires your KYC form, submit your passports, your information. They know exactly what your address is. And then not just your current transactions and current balance, but also they can track on the blockchain, the public blockchain, where your coins came from, where, how many you have right now, and where they're going to go to in the future as well. That's way too much information to be out in the public. So just even compared to current banking structure, only the bank knows your transaction information, where, how you spend your money. But if it's on a blockchain, if you're on Bitcoin or Ethereum, Anyone with your Bitcoin address can track that. And in fact, there's a growing trend even right now where we try to find out who owns what wallet and then just track that wallet to see if they're buying new shit coins or transferring that out. And that's definitely not what you don't, that's something you don't want, right? Yeah, I mean, like that Twitter account, like well alerts, right? You know, like showing large movements of money here and there. And I think one of the like really kind of interesting thought experiments is like, look, let's say if Satoshi was still around, you know, and he wanted to move his coins. How can he do that, right? And that's kind of unfair. Like, just imagine if he wants to cash it out on an exchange. I don't think any exchange is going to say, yeah, you know, I'm going to let you cash it out without KYC, right? And... That's so we're going to know a, who like, Satoshi not, is. If, if he wants to yeah. move his money, we're going to know who he is. Well, unless it's Craig Wright and we're all wrong and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. But that presents a big issue. And I think recently as well, I've been kind of aware of the power of these blockchain payment tracing methods. So something like mm. chain analysis, I've been showing how powerful they are. They can track exactly where a coin came from, whether what transactions it's been in, if it's been in particular markets, if it's been involved in ICOs, if it's been involved in Plus Token, BitConnect, all these scams. It's great for yep. law enforcement, but at the same time, it's also scary how much they can know about a particular transaction. Sure. I mean, like, you know, I think that one of the common arguments against privacy, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, you're allowing criminal illicit activity. And actually, that's actually that's really unfair. I mean, first of all, you know, if you take a look at the studies, even those people who use CoinJoin or Bitcoin mixers or privacy coins, the studies actually show that, you know, the vast majority of it is still legitimate activity, you know, only like I think less than 10% or even 5% uh, are actually like, you know, from from illicit proceeds. So, you know, there is a lot of people who do want privacy and I think rightfully so. I mean, like just take a look at like, you know, an Ethereum address, right? Because like an account-based model, like just by looking at someone's Ethereum account and especially with like MetaMask and you just look up, it's all connected to everything, right? Suddenly I have this whole history of like, oh, I know he bought this shit coin. I know he bought and did that or went into this DeFi contract and actually have some friends, especially with the, with the like rise of DeFi, she can actually see, you know, who are all the players in the DeFi space, including funds and stuff like that. And then I think that's a real, a real, a real problem, right? I mean, how Mm -hmm. are you going to use the financial system that's totally transparent to the world? I think that's a real (laughs) problem. Got it. So now comes the issue of privacy. So privacy isn't built into Bitcoin by default because it's actually relatively hard to do because at the end of the day, having uh, the theory behind Bitcoin, obviously, was that uh, (laughs) it's a public ledger. Everything is public. So we know which transactions have been spent or not and where the transaction has been. 
going through. So how, why is privacy so hard to build? And um, how did you get around that? Let's just go for that. Sure. Um, well, I mean, you're right. You know, blockchain and privacy is particularly difficult, right? Because blockchain is designed to be transparent and everyone has to be able to verify that someone has the money that he says he, he does, right? How do you do that uh, and provide privacy at the same time? It seems it's like it's at complete odds with each other. And that's why, you know, providing privacy on the blockchain is so difficult. So like what we at Zcoin do is, is use this new type of technology called zero knowledge proofs where, you know, based on certain mathematics, you can prove that you have a valid transaction, that you have a certain amount of money without actually having to show, you know, where exactly it came from. Uh, so for example, like, you know, in our case, uh, we allow people to destroy their coins. They kind of like stop existing or go into some sort of black hole. And then at any time in the future, you can redeem them for brand new ones with no previous transaction history. And how you do that is basically, you know, just to present a proof that you did burn those coins. But the beauty of that proof is that it shows, it's like a receipt. It shows that you've paid or like burnt your coins, but doesn't show exactly which coins that you burnt. And therefore, that means now I can like redeem coins to any third party address. The coins just appear and there's no source. So it kind of just like magically appears as if it's like a freshly mined coin. And that's kind of how we at Zcoin approach privacy. Of course, there are like other coins uh, like Monero or like uh, uh, like Mimblewimble or, or like, you know, even like a coin join, like using coin mixes. They have like a different strategy where it's kind of more of like introducing noise uh, into the mix where... I'm making a transaction I mean, before and before you go a lot too of... deep into this, let, let, let me just go sure. from a very, because this is, this can get very complicated very quickly. And I feel like mm-hmm. um, from a very high level, I think, and I just want to relate some experience here too, because when I first started looking at privacy, there are so many ways of implementing privacy because, right. um, because I think you already established very on it's difficult. It's at odds with each other. The whole concept of blockchain is about transparency, but at the same time, revealing too much, like we discussed earlier, is not good. You don't want to reveal uh, to everyone all your past transaction information. You don't want to reveal to everyone where you're going to spend that money in the future as well. So this is very much at odds with each other and there's been different implementations. So what <clears throat> you guys have been doing at Zcoin is you have... Uh, this mechanism where you destroy coins and then you mm-hmm. recreate them again at a future time. So this yeah. is a process of just kind of breaking that transactional links. history, breaking those links. Mm-hmm. So you're spending this as if it's new cash, right? You're, you're suddenly destroying this old dirty cash that has a lot of transaction history that has, that reveals a lot about someone's spending habits and you're creating this yep. new one, which is brand new spanking new. That's kind of, with no history whatsoever. So um, what is the advantage of that? What, what are the other approaches to it? I mean, can you give me a high level summary of what like kind of the popular ways of um, ideologies behind how privacy can be um, done in other coins as well? Yeah. So like, you know, as I seen for like Monero, right? Um, it's almost like when I make a transactions, I kind of like take... Um, 
other possible outputs to form as my input? How do I put this in an easy way? I'm going to use that fart analogy because it's just so easy to to explain it in that way. Awesome, awesome. Uh, uh, so, you know, like in in Bitcoin, you know, if I'm, just think, imagine an elevator, right? And I enter into the lift and I let out a fart. Right, that's basically Bitcoin because I can see the transaction. I know where it came from. A transfers to B. I know it's Ruben that made the fart in the lift. Now, the way other kinds of privacy coins, especially the earlier mechanisms uh, such as Monero or CoinJoin, Monero is kind of like dragging ten other people into the lift with you and then letting out a fart. And so it's kind of like, all right, could be one of these eleven people that made this fart. So you it actually introduces plausible deniability, right? So you're like, could be any of these people. Uh, Grin and Mimblewimble are kind of like, let's find everyone that wants to fart, bringing them all together into lift and we all fart at the same time. And now it's not clear whose fart is whose. I mean, that's the basic strategy of uh, these type of what we call decoy-based systems, right? You're introducing noise or introducing farts or people, uh, to kind of hide your transaction. But the fact is, your fault is still there. Everyone can still see that there is a possible link that is just hidden among other sort of decoy transactions. The way zero knowledge proofs or like our, our kind of privacy work is almost like I go into the lift, I make a fart, and then it disappears, right? And then bam, it disappears. And maybe, you know, one year later, two years later, or even like five months or so, I can choose to make it reappear and make it smell then. And then you're like, where did this fart come from? It must, it, the, your plausible deniability is not just with the people in the lift, but with everyone that has entered the lift ever, right? So obviously your privacy is like magnitudes higher. It makes it a lot harder to to analyze because you're not really hiding your transactions in the crowd. You're just kind of making it disappear and teleport uh, into the future. So, <laughs> I love that yeah. joke. <laughs> um, just, just for the audience here, I heard this joke before, but I think it's it's a pivotal to my understanding of privacy coins. I think the core, core take home I always thought was that there's no way of not farting. I mean, it, it's a bodily function. You got to fart sometime. It's just a matter of yep. how you hide or try to hide the fact that you farted. I mean, no one likes to smell that fart. And if it's just Bitcoin, everyone is going to smell it and know it's you. Now, this right. decoy mechanism is also quite interesting. I didn't really know too much about it, but I think even when I first started, I thought decoy was just good enough, right? And there are times when I was actually looking at coins and I didn't realize how hard it was to actually implement the privacy functionality. I think one of the yes. uh, ones that was that stuck out to me the most was Dash. Dash, they advertise that they have a privacy feature, but if you want to use that privacy feature. You got to wait for someone who also wants to use that privacy feature, all those decoys to come online and it may take hours for that to happen. Or so, days. <laughs> or days or weeks. It actually takes yeah. quite a long time depending on the amount. So because it's not very commonly used, that that is one of the potential flaws where you have to wait until someone else wants to fart and you guys can all fart together, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's one of the drawbacks. But obviously, when you want to use a coin, you don't you don't want to go through that process. You, you don't want to wait. If you want to spend it, you just want to spend it. So which is why you kind of have the idea where 
you're going to teleport the fart into the future. So mm-hmm. um, how does that process work then? How, how does this, this, this method work? Do, do I burn a coin? Do, and, and does it take time? Is there a quota, et cetera? Are there limitations? Uh, well, I mean, you can, what we call it a mint process, but basically you take these coins, you just destroy it. You wait until it's confirmed. And then anytime after it's confirmed, you can immediately spend it to any address that you want. Of course, the longer you wait, I mean, you don't want to straight away burn and then redeem exactly, right? That may like have time correlation type of stuff. But otherwise, it's just a simple process. I burn, I don't have to wait for anyone. I just need to wait for the transaction to confirm. And then at any time I want to redeem, I just choose, okay, I want to redeem this, this amount of coins to this particular address and bam, it gets confirmed. So I do think that the user experience when compared to like CoinJoin or, or you know, those type of like Dash types of uh, privacy is definitely a lot better. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's actually now a new functionality that we're building is actually even more interesting. Instead of me redeeming it and like, you know, making it appear, I can actually pass the right to redeem the fart to you. So that <laughs> I don't even have to redeem it. I'm like, here, Michael, have my, have not even my whole fart, just have half of my fart. And no one else knows like how much fart I've given you. And you say, all right, now I redeem the fart. And like, it's not even yours. It's mine's and no one can actually tell, right? It's, it, it improves the privacy by several magnitudes just to allow this functionality. Yeah. Right, right. So it's all about kind of, that's, <laughs> that is the analogy pushed to the extreme, I think. It's, um, <laughs> but it's, but it gives an understanding of what's happening. Um, I mean, you, this, the fart's still there, the transaction, uh, you made it appear as uh, another time you're trying to make it as unlinkable and as untrackable as possible. And now you have a new system where you can partially pass it. So previously speaking, there were certain amounts that were pre-designated, right? So um, if I wanted to burn and uh, kind of teleport the fart, it has to be a certain amount. It has to be like a small fart, big fart, medium fart. (laughs) And it has been a set uh, quantities. So when it reappears, oh, a small fart appeared out of nowhere. It gets hidden among all the other small farts that were out there. So there's possible deniability there. But here right. now you're saying that with the new system, you can partially pass a small fart to someone else and you're not even redeeming it. You can allow that to be redeemed in the future as well. So it just gives you that additional flexibility in the amount to redeem and also in so the quantity and also the the timing as well, right? Right. I mean, like the basic the basic idea is like last time when I made a big fart, I had to redeem the whole big fart, and then maybe like re re like suck it back in, right? <laughs> and and uh, now it's like oh, I have this like huge fart, but I'm going to let it out in little little bits and pe- like little little farts, and you can't tell where it came from. You just know that it must have come from a bigger fart but you, there's so many other bigger thoughts out there, right? So I think mm. it really improves the privacy there because, you know, if I have to redeem like fixed amount of thoughts, there's a pattern there. But now that I break this, I don't require you to redeem your whole thought. It really, you know, increase that anonymity set or like your plausible deniability a lot more. Yeah. Awesome. I think, and I think this is the, the hardest part about, uh, about understanding privacy coins because I think just zooming out a bit, I feel like, um, this 
to be honest, took me ages to understand. I, I think yeah. I taught, I talked to Ruben like two years ago and he tried to describe to me all these privacy-based concepts. And I started realizing, oh my God, it's it's much deeper. I mean, we all know, I think this is the kind of the, the issue of the crypto community right now is we all know that privacy is good. We know, None of us want to be 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 tracked to this certain degree that we are being tracked right now. But at the same time, no one knows which direction to go. And I think this as a high level summary gives you an idea of how each system tries to uh, track that transaction and what every coin is doing different. I think that's the kind of core. And um, I really appreciate that joke um, as much as this is, I think it's a, it's a good understanding of how transactions are hidden. And it gives you a broad understanding of overall some certain advantages and disadvantages of privacy features. So moving on to, to, to the current system that you have right now. So um, how long did it take? Like how, how long did it take for you to develop such a system? You know, how many cryptographers? Was it, was it a difficult process of implementing this? Can other coins implement this? What's happening on the dev side? Um, well, Actually, like, uh, you know, it was like an evolution, right? You know, Zcoin started, I mean, without going into too much technical details, we started, Zcoin started with zero coin protocol. We then moved to Sigma, which is what we're using now. And, and we were trying to find a way to kind of improve upon Sigma, remove that, you know, that I have to use fixed amounts and also maintain the whole, like, no trusted setup, right? Which I guess we can maybe explain later. But what is a no trust? Time. Okay, I think I think you have to do this now. Like, what is a trusted setup? Because you know we we've discussed coins like Zcash in the past and uh, about this trusted setup. What is it and uh, how does that work? Right. So there are some some privacy system, mainly those that are zk snarks based. I mean, there's so many zk snarks based. Um, privacy systems, and they all require something what we call trusted setup. And it sounds like a good thing, but actually trusted setup is, is, is considered a really bad thing. Because remember, the whole premise of blockchain and, and Bitcoin is like, you know, don't trust, verify, right? Trusted setup means that I have to trust that some things uh, when it was set up was done correctly. And the kind of analogy that I like to use is kind of like Lord of the Rings, right? Where you create all these powerful rings, but you have that one ring, that one ring that has like a master power, right? And you have to destroy that one ring. You have to trust that this one ring was destroyed or else the whole kind, the whole system is kind of corrupted or compromised. And basically, you know, this like Zcash or ZK Snarks type of system, basically they have to create this master ring and then they break it up into pieces and then it has to be destroyed, you know? So the idea is that if it was not destroyed, there's effectively a backdoor into the system, which allows me to print coins out of thin air and basically fool the system uh, into accepting my fake coins. But if that's I've a, done that's it really correctly, yeah. that's, that's super scary. I mean, I think like, I think it's like this master key idea is something that, um, I think the best way, and I thought the way to rationalize it is that, uh, anything implementing a trusted setup, you cannot verify that mm -hmm. there are no artificially magically created rings by by this master this masterful uh, one ring to roll them all right. So you you can't yep. you can't verify that yourself. So you have to trust at some point 
in the past, this one ring, this master key, this uh, portion was destroyed. And obviously correctly. people have thought, uh, yeah, they're just correctly destroyed. And people have devised strategic ways to destroy this one ring. So some of it involved splitting this into multiple parts. So even yes. if one portion, one part of it was not successfully destroyed, maybe this guy was malicious, maybe he kept the back door. Well, um, that back door is still non-functional, non-functionally, unless all the people possessing all the pieces decided that they kept their back doors and they collaborated with each other to reforge that one ring. So right. you, you, you still worry about those fragments that could be lying around. So this is kind of like the, the, the way of um, having a problem and then having complex solutions to solve the problem. And then you still start to wonder why should we have this problem in the first place? <laughs> like Correct. why? Why, why do we even need a trusted setup in the first place, right? I mean, the common argument, like, you know, that, that defends the trusted setup is that, oh, yeah, you know, if I break these keys into 120 pieces or 1,000 pieces, and as long as one piece is destroyed, I cannot reforge the ring. Isn't that good enough? And, you know, for many people, like, yeah, you know, I mean, the chances of all 1,000 people or 2,000 people colluding is quite low, but there are other attack vectors. Like, what, what if before I broke the ring, somehow I, I, I compromised the, the breaking that I, I'm making a copy of it somewhere, you know? And they were actually like, you know, there was actually like a really big flaw in Zcash that, that uh, you know, went undetected for two years. And that was actually relating to their trusted setup. And, you know, without going into details because it's quite technical, but the idea is that, you know, trusted setup, it has like really good benefits because when you have trusted setup, you get very high performance. Uh, it's like, because uh, it's just the way that the math is set up that you get amazing uh, performance, like quick verification, small proof sizes. But the, 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 the trade-off is that, yeah, you have this potential backdoor inside. And even if the best intentions are done, uh, you know, sometimes they might, you know, we are human, shit happens, right? So yeah, it's better <laughs> not to have it. Yeah. I think it's too much power for one person to have because if you have control over the entire network and the ability to print money, I mean, why not, right? Who wouldn't mind, mind having a US dollar printing machine that you can just press at any point, print some money, inject that money into the system and have <clears throat> and people have no clue that this is done and no way to trace that. That's just insanity, right? So well, that's what the Federal Reserve it does, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's right, Kinda. guys. It's magic. So uh, that's that's the current situation, and we definitely don't want a repeat of that. So moving on, in terms of research and development, obviously, you know, how much effort was required for this? I mean, like, is it all math? Is it all programming? What what what's necessary to create a good privacy coin and protocol? Well, first of all, of course, you have to come up with the idea and to solve like unique situations, unique kind of constructions that have not been thought of before, because obviously you, you, you're going into new territory and we kind of banged our head over like several months and we went through several date ends. Uh, <laughs> and I think we actually like, you know, actually when, when we first deployed Sigma, like which is uh, based off something called one out of many proofs, a lot of people kind of laughed at us and like, why are you looking at this? like really outdated primitive, you know, ZK Snarks is so much better. Like this, you're not going to get the performance that you you want from it. But the thing is that, you know, after banging our heads several months, we're like, why don't we try and take a look at this and see how far we can take it? And 
I think that took maybe six, seven months. And then we're like, hey, actually we can do it pretty efficiently. And people were actually surprised that we could actually take this technology and make it into something that is pretty competitive. And then after that, I mean, you know, you come off your first draft, you know, obviously there's going to be some flaws and issues there. So you need to submit it to other cryptographers, go through conferences, peer review it and stuff like that. And that's been done. And then the paper has been revised like three or four times with more and more improvements as we try to solve more and more uh, like challenges or usability issues. So I think it's almost taken like maybe about like maybe like one and a half years already. And even then now the next step is that, okay, we got all the cryptographic libraries, we've done all the coding. Now we need to go through audits, right? And the audit is not just on the code, but on the crypto cryptography itself. So it's a really long process and it's not simple. So, you know, when other coins, it's not easy to come up with your own privacy protocol. And that's why there's actually so few of them on the blockchain because it's really tough work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's like, it sounds, it sounds painful. I mean, oh, this is like one of those things in crypto where not many people understand what you're doing. And at the same time, people follow trends. So at a certain point of time, everyone was jumping onto the ZK snarks. I mean, it became a major fad word. Vitalik himself said, yeah, he wanted to see that on Ethereum. Um, there was a major trend going on because people thought this was the holy grail of solutions. But obviously right now, that idea of this trusted setup and not having um, potential for um, exploits of that has become a bigger issue. So it feels like an underdog story then huh? where you you chose intentionally to pursue a path that people didn't really think can be as performant, but you ended yep. up improving the privacy factors there and allowing for um, what is you, um, you not having a trusted setup, basically. Yeah, I mean, like, it's really interesting now because, like, uh, from our work, you know, we kind of show, like, look, you can actually use this cryptographic primitive and actually get really good performance of it. And now Monero is actually looking at it, like, their new Octorus and Cryptage systems, they are actually using very similar ideas that we use uh, to, to build this. And this was not really in contention before that. So... We're actually really happy to see like, you know, like more, I would say, you know, solid cryptographic primitives building this privacy protocols. And, you know, Lelantis, which is what we, we call our protocol, is actually affecting the whole blockchain privacy space as a whole, right? And even like Zcash now, you know, they're looking at like other ways to, to remove trusted setups and like Halo and stuff like that. So I do think that, you know, I think it's good setting a good precedent to say that, look, we're building something that doesn't require trust. Uh, and, you know, this is, we, we should really just like, you know, stop resting on our laurels and think like ZK SNARS is going to solve everything. Yeah. That's amazing, man. That's, and it's good. Like, I think one thing I really like about talking with Ruben is that he knows a lot about everything that's going on. And also he's open to um, discussing other projects without, uh, with advantages and disadvantages. Um, and one thing I think um, I'm always worried about Z, Z, uh, Zcoin is that would there be any, uh, because you are trailblazing um, this type of cryptography, this line of thought, are there any, uh, risk associated with it too you know like what are the risks associated and what um potentially bad can happen what are our risks here 
I mean, the risks are really great. I mean, with any new privacy protocol, I mean, I mean, we don't have to look far. I mean, this is not just limited in the privacy space, but like, take a look at the DeFi space, right? Like, you know, so many hacks and stuff like that. And because like, there's, there's just so many interconnecting stuff. With privacy protocols, I guess it's probably not as, maybe different kind of difficult because it's more about the cryptography and the code implementation. We don't have to think so much about interactions with other protocols and other contracts or arbitrage possibilities. But if we do get the cryptography wrong, you know, which is why we've kind of been taking our time on it. Like, you know, this paper has been out for a while, but we've been like, you know, making sure that all the like, the top privacy uh, cryptographers that have been looking at it and, you know, spending money for academics to look at it and audit it. But if we do get it wrong, um, basically people can print coins out of thin air and that's, that can be catastrophic for our coin. Because <laughs> one, one thing, one thing that I think this is why in a way Bitcoin may never embrace this type of technology because yeah, on the one hand, you know, it offers great privacy, but once you start hiding amounts, you lose what we call supply auditability, right? That means that how do you know how many coins are existing, right? Of course, with Bitcoin, it's easy. You just see like, yep, one coin there, one coin there. I add it all up. Roughly, it should be like, it should be that amount of coins, right? Because all the amounts are visible. But once you start hiding amounts, right? then you have to trust the proofs that the proofs are correctly saying that, yeah, no coins are being created out of thin air and stuff like that. So it is definitely risky. Uh, but at the same time, you know, if we don't do it, we're not going to get privacy on the blockchain, right? There is a trade-off there. And that's why I feel that, that you know, I'm fine with Bitcoin remaining auditable and stuff like that, but let coins like us innovate and push that boundary. And of course, we're going to take all the, all the, the the precautions that we can, uh, but there's there's no hundred percent guarantees, right? Uh, but yeah, that that's a big risk there. <clears throat> awesome, I think, and I think that's that's an interesting way to look at it because uh, the way you're seeing it is it's not always mutually competitive. Like right? there are certain mm-hmm. situations where you want uh, fully audible supply and. Uh, um, Bitcoin is there for that. More, it's most decentralized of every coin because there's no project leader. Satoshi is gone somewhere, uh, hopefully mm-hmm. in a nice, <clears throat> cool place. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, you're saying, okay, let 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 Zcoin innovate. Let other privacy coins uh, push those boundaries. And you don't ever think there will be a possibility of Bitcoin adopting any of this because at the end of the day, it's too risky. It's not what Bitcoin wants or needs to be. So in that case, um, okay, so so you're viewing this more as, okay, look, um, you're on the bleeding edge. There are some risks, but you try to mitigate all the risks. There is also a saying in cryptography where you, 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 you really want to minimize or use um, a well-established cryptography. Is the cryptography right. that you're doing new or is it something that builds upon something that has been established before? Um, well, the thing is that, I mean, this gets a bit technical. I'll try to boil it down simply, but basically... Yes, we need another part crypto- joke. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like the cryptographic principles that we are using, the assumptions that we're making have been existing in cryptography for many, many, many years, right? These are like the fun, the foundational building blocks 
are pretty well understood uh, cryptographic problems that have stood the test of time and has been adopted in many, many uh, real-world use cases. So if those cryptographic assumptions break, the idea is that, well, then Zcoin would be the least of your problems, right? You'll be maybe your banking, your the, everything else that uses this cryptographic underpinnings. But the way that we combine it, that we construct it, um, is relatively novel, but it is not making new assumptions like um i guess the way like <clears throat> like the way like zk snarks has been criticized is that it's kind of like moon mafi it, it it real it's like so bleeding itch that first of all not many people really understand the actual guts of it and people still get it wrong even like top cryptographers get it wrong <clears throat> and they're still not really sure like okay uh, for as as to the best of our knowledge currently you know these assumptions hold <laughs> but it may not, you know? And that's kind of scary, right? Um, so we're kind of like trying to cut a balance, right? Where we don't want to be like too bleeding edge, but at the same time, like, you know, we're moving the, the, the bar forward. And I do think that, you know, people always say like, why do I need bother with all these privacy coins? You know, why are they the things that you need diversity? Because there's no perfect privacy protocol. It's all about trade-offs. Are you want like, leading edge performance with the highest anonymity, then you're going to get trusted set up and, and moon math, right? Well, how about if something with like really high practical privacy doesn't require moon math? So it's kind of like not, privacy is not binary, it's a spectrum, right? And people, you know, in this world where everything's black and white and, and, and like, you know, it's hard to get that across. And especially being a lawyer, right? Where the lawyer's favorite answer is not yes or no, it's usually maybe. I mean that that is reality, right? <laughs> reality is not binary. It's always that's okay. somewhere that in between. Yeah. So it's a, so so I think it's a, the way you, I think uh, we also need to view it. So in terms of our crypto, it's always about viewing privacy in a spectrum, and it's harder to understand because uh, describing advantages and disadvantages of system that people may not fully understand is hard. And I think this is the challenge, I think in the next five years, yes. is trying to allow people to make that decision because at the end of the day, the average person needs to vote on which protocol they believe in, right? And I feel like this is where the confusion can come in. And I think where these episodes provide help is to provide navigation through that space to understand. So it's good to hear that you don't have any moon math. <laughs> that's my first, that's, that's uh, a term that I now can use uh, my new to me, but <laughs> moon math uh, and also using some concepts. So moving to the last bit about Zcash, I think to wrap this up, like what's the status of Zcash? Like um, you deploy this new protocol. Is it, is it Zcoin or Zcash? <laughs> oh man, I always get, oh man, I made a mistake again there and I, huh? Zcoin, Zcoin. All right. So what's the current status of Zcoin? Um, are you, um, uh, how far along are you to deploy this new protocol you're talking about where you can partially spend those farts? Oh, um, how's that progress going? Uh, so Lelantis, we actually almost have a complete implementation of it. We're going through, we're starting audits this time, sometime this month, maybe the middle of this month. And we hope to deploy it maybe in September-ish. Uh, so we're pretty, pretty close. Um, and 
maybe, you know, as you said, maybe we need a rebrand. So that's something that we'll... <laughs> working on the background <laughs> for the past two years yeah. i've been criticizing the name i'm like damn i always mispronounce it as zcash and uh you've got a problem ruben so i hope to follow that I progress know. there um i'm definitely excited for september i've been using zcoin for some mm. time now and uh, definitely i've tried out the coin burn mechanism and it, it works yeah. and yeah. i'll be interested to follow up on uh, the future man and halving is coming in September. So that's interesting when the founder reward sees. And I think that that would be interesting to see how, how it affects the economy. Because I think that would mean, you know, I think almost more than half of the coins have been distributed in Zcoin. And I think it would be interesting to see how it affects the, the economics of, of Zcoin as well. Yeah. That's interesting. So you have your own halving happening and you have a less impact from the founder's reward. So... That's awesome, man. That's awesome. That's good to hear. I hope to I hope to update on this. And uh, thank you so much for telling us a little bit more about privacy, Ruben. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me, Michael. Always a real pleasure. Guys, thank you guys so much for listening. If you guys want to know more about Zcoin, check out the Zcoin Twitter and also Ruben. He's at Zcoin Z, Ruben and Twitter. So make sure you catch up and find out what is happening.